tired. So tired. Overtired. You're listening to Overtired. I'm Christina Warren, joined as always by Brett Terpstra. This episode is brought to you by Casper Mattresses. What's up, Brett? Not much. How are you? Uh, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Um, it, we were recording this a little bit later today, Saturday, and I'm working today, um, which is not That's fun. horrible. It kind of is. It kind of is. Like, I've got to do these shifts like once every um, so often. Uh, where I have to work like a weekend shift and I get a day, another, I get a comp day in placement, but it's still always kind of crappy. Yeah. My Saturday morning is usually 15 minutes of customer support starting at like 6.30 a.m. And then I take the rest of the day off. I go have breakfast with my parents most week because they move back to town. So it's like my, I get my parent time, my family time. And then that's really my only contact for the week, which is, I think it's great. It's the closest I've been to my parents in years. So it's kind of fun. Although they did start a, a conversation about Islam last time oh, I no. went over. Oh, no. And, uh, that that does not go well with my personality and my parents. No, I, I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, OK, I have to ask this question because and I'm not judging here. Are your parents Donald Trump supporters? I believe they're throwing their weight behind Ted Cruz, but it's a question I don't want to ask. Right? See, see, I'm I'm secretly afraid that my father is a is a is a is a, is a Donald Trump supporter. See, I'm but even you don't whispering this. Ask, right? No, are you kidding me? Yeah. God, like because it's it's contentious enough with us on on Facebook as it is. Like he posted this really <laughs> negative thing about Obama and about liberals and like about any liberal who like believes in stuff like is an idiot and doesn't deserve to live. And I had to respond. I was like, I love you, Daddy, but. But you should recognize that I am your daughter and I hold these views. That is really harsh. Um, it was. It was like I, I, I was trying to be like loving. Like, I love you, but please keep in <laughs> mind that when you post these things, you're actually talking about your youngest child. <laughs> yeah. I did not get a response. Even if all my followers were of like political mind, I would avoid that kind of rhetoric in general online. It can only lead, I mean, unless that's your persona, unless you're a pundit. I, my, my, my mom never posts anything but pictures of her granddaughters and my dad doesn't post anything. So <laughs> they have to watch me post. But like I said, I, I don't threaten people based on their political views. No, I don't. I, I don't. I, I try just to kind of stay out of it. Um, and, uh, you know, like at work, we're not like told that we can't say things online about our own political beliefs especially if we're not political reporters but we're kind of told like be positive don't engage the trolls you know that yeah. sort of thing and well, so that's like just sage advice well it is and and just so as my position as a journalist i have to be more careful than i have been in the past it, it, especially this election cycle because it's a lot more contentious than it's ever been before so i found myself like honestly just really not saying anything and but what i find though is that you know um but yeah, I mean, obviously we all troll uh, Donald Trump, but I am secretly afraid. And like I said, I'm whispering this because I don't want to say this loud. I'm afraid my father supports Donald Trump, and like I can't reconcile that. Like I, I, th I know how you feel. I think my mom is Rubio, which you, you can you can understand. I, I that. can look. I can deal with that. Like I'm not happy. I don't love Marco Rubio or anything, but I can See, deal I think, with that. I think like Trump is the W and. And Cruz is the 
Cheney. Yeah, I think I feel like Cruz is the Cheney. He's the dark overlord of the whole thing. He is, except Cheney was at least smart. Like yeah. he was evil, but he was smart. What concerns me about Ted Cruz is that he literally thinks that like the Bible can be his guide. Right. Did you hear did you hear the latest uh the celiac comment? No, no it's a celiac comment. He he said that providing gluten-free meals to the military was basically hoity-toity hippie shit and he didn't he the first thing he would do is ban gluten-free meals oh my from God. the military it's like okay because celiac disease is you know it's a, a pc liberal invention okay here's the thing if you're gonna say everybody who thinks they're celiac but actually isn't is all bullshit. I'll totally agree with that. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, like I mean, 99. I'm, I'm allergic to gluten. That's you know, right. Yeah, that is a PC hippie thing. But, yes. the, the, but it's a but, legitimate but it's a scientific legitimate disease. disease. Oh, no. Not only that, but like it's a bad disease. It literally means like your mm -hmm. small intestine cannot absorb this stuff. And like the little filii, like the little like things that, that look like snakes, like that are trying to absorb those fibers, like they don't work. And so your body doesn't absorb nutrients as it should and then passes stuff through. And it's horrendous. And like I know a lot about celiac disease. And it's actually technically called celiac sprue because they thought I was celiac when I was a kid and I wasn't I had other messed up uh, intestinal <laughs> problems but I had to go through the testing for it and like yeah, I just remember there. like reading all the books about it and reading about gluten-free cooking and making gluten-free cookies like when I did a report on it in seventh grade or something before gluten-free was like a way you could actually make stuff that tasted good um Is and it, it was okay? like it, sorry <laughs> No, it was like it was it was the worst. And so, yeah, I mean, this is it's such that's such a bullshit move. Like, I get it. You don't want like kids who are joining into the, the military now, like who are like, well, I'm allergic to gluten. I have a gluten intolerance. It's like, fuck you. Eat, 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 eat your mess hall meal. You're fine. Well, but this speaks to the idea that he denies science in general. Well, you're dead on. You're dead on. He totally denies science. And, and, and uh, we should probably stop talking about. We'll end it with, it's a lot easier to refute science if you know Jack about science. This is so true. This is so true. <laughs> and and speaking of science, I see that we have uh, on this episode, which is brought to you by Casper Mattresses, but the very first thing that we have on the docket is Rick and Morty, speaking of science. I just, it was suggested to me by someone I used to work with at AOL, um, and I had never bothered it's so it. good why don't you listen I, to cartoon cast with me and micah Sargent? what what i have a cartoon podcast you do i do how many podcasts do you have let's not talk about it <laughs> <laughs> do you do you want to know the real answer so i've overtired i have rocket i have cartoon cast um and uh, i have mash talk so i have four regular ones and then actually do i have five because i also have this show that i do with my friend Allie that absolutely no one listens to it's called the basic <laughs> bitches guide to life I've seen that those tweets. <laughs> yeah, but but I have okay. four regular ones. Although, um, a cartoon cast, uh, we only do every other week, and it's just me and Micah Sargent talking about cartoons. All right. But but back to Rick and Morty. I mean, also speaking of religion and science. I mean, both of those issues are <laughs> sort of dismissed by the show and embraced by them. I love Dan Harmon so much. Yes, yes. I I, I watched Harmon Town for a while, but Community was seriously the best in its day in its day the best and and when he came back even it was good and and i didn't really watch the final season the one that was on yahoo and apparently neither did anyone else because yahoo had to write off the entire <laughs> thing in addition to the entire yahoo screen project that's just one of the many problems with yahoo you know talked about a movie though 
Uh, well, that was the whole thing. It was like seven seasons in a movie. It was the whole thing they were right. trying to do. I mean, if they can get everybody together for it, I think it'd be great. Well, everyone, th- everyone that's interviewed that was a cast member for Community has said as soon as they pull it together, we'll be there. Right. Well, the problem is, though, you, everybody says they'd want to do it. But okay, so you get the script. You, you get the budget. Now, how are you going to get like – the timing rights that literally everybody can dispense themselves from their other projects. Cause hey, um, if David Wayne can do it with a wet, hot American summer, you're right. I'm just saying, Amer- <laughs> but you could do it, but I just fear the problem with these things is, is that like you, you, you can do it. But even in that case, like you had scenes where like Bradley Cooper, like was only able to be there <laughs> for like a day. Mask. So he's in a ski mask because he's not on set. You know what I mean? And like, yes. I think wet, hot American summer did it better than Arrested Development did, but I think one of the reasons Arrested Development uh, season four was was weak comparatively, and I think everybody would admit that is because um, the cast wasn't in the same room a lot of the times. I mean, I be- think it was just writing. I think the writing suffered. I think it did too. But if you look at what I think the two best episodes of that show were, were the ones that focused on George Michael and the one that focused on Maybe. I thought those, which were at the very back of the the of, of the season, were the two strongest. And a part of that was because like they were in them the whole time like they and they were together and interacting yeah so um you know they, they tony hale because he was working on veep like literally was like green screened into stuff like there was almost no buster <laughs> and that and you miss it you know what i mean like you oh miss totally it. so buster and maybe were actually my favorite characters same and so that's what i'm saying the maybe centric episode i was like hell yeah so mm-hmm. i i mean i would love a community movie i just wonder like they're all doing so many things um but yeah they've all said that they would be down for it which i think is good but yeah, let's talk about Rick and Morty. Tell me what you, tell me, we, we we we've gone into so many tangents already. We're we're ten minutes into this podcast and we're already like so many tangents. So, in. how would you describe Rick and Morty? Um, I would s- describe it as, um, like it's kind of like Back to the Future. If Doc is kind of like a a, a nihilist, a, a, yeah, a nihilist and kind of a um a, a like a, a you know like alcoholic like grandfather. <laughs> and and drunk uncle nihilist. Dr- dr- drunk uncle nihilist and 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 um uh morty is uh you know he cry- kind of reminds me a little bit of steve from american dad i see I, I, yeah i've but, only but, seen a couple episodes but but but, but yet smarter and like not as like you know that kid well he's smart but he's doe-eyed and yes and yeah, naive he's naive and and i have to say summer you know his sister is like my favorite i love her because she uh, does not get along with Rick so much. Like, their hatred of one another kind of sustains yeah. me. Have you seen both seasons? No, I, I've just finished the first season in its entirety and am now going to probably pay for the second season. Where would I find it if I weren't going to buy it? Um, I'm looking at Hulu because Hulu has a lot of it. Well, Hulu has the first season. Okay. Okay, I'm like looking into this for you right now, uh, but we can continue talking about it. So, yeah, so talk about some of this stuff. Well, I mean, these these plots are they're ridiculous. Uh, yeah. They they use I mean, they use the idea of a guy who <laughs> can travel dimensions with ease as um instead of as a crutch, they use it as a plot mechanism and they, they make beautiful sci-fi storylines that don't have to have any regard for space and time, but they do offer nerdy explanations for things that happen. And then that allows just some really great character development and interaction in a very poorly drawn cartoon. 
it 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 has the same effect to me as like Inside Out, where the the cartoon or you know uh, CGI medium really allowed for character development that you wouldn't get in a, in a live action show. It's amazing to me. I had a blast with it. Yeah, no, I think it's really funny, and I think it just gets better um, as it goes on. And and I, I love the episode where uh, where uh, Morty um, impregnates um, the space robot. I, oh yeah, 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 yeah. And, and 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 then his child is like this monster sloth thing, and it's like terrible. But yet he is in love. Yet he loves it. It's that's a great episode. My favorite thus far has been the uh, the dogs taking over the world one. Yeah, I like that too. The, uh, the the intelligent talking dog robot things. Yeah, you can. Um, I was trying to figure out a way. You, I think you're just going to buy this. Um, I uh, I will. Yeah, I mean, we have it on our Plex, but we subscribe to cable, so we don't feel bad for stealing. Right. Um, Me too. Sure. No, but we actually pay for cable. Oh right. <laughs> so did we talk about Hulu's? And uh, uh, was it Time Warner? I think, I think yeah. Uh, someone was buying a majority stock share in Hulu with the intention of stopping them from showing streaming next day. Oh, was there? I didn't hear anything about that. And well, and I heard like there was this initial announcement of a big stir around it because myself and oh, I see. This from- is Warner buying Hulu archives, right? And they wouldn't. Happened. You know, they would offer then full seasons after the season, but not episodes next day, in which case I would cancel Hulu. Uh, totally. Like, that would yeah. ruin it for me. Yeah. So I'm yeah. hoping that does not happen. Yeah. I mean, it's going to depend. I think that Hulu has, has a big shot to kind of come back. They were in rough times for a while. Their founder um, left and, and started a, a new startup. Um, you know, they had some some growing pains because I think what always happened, my, my, my feeling on Hulu has always been, and I covered it since the very, very, very beginning, like when it was still in beta. I remember writing about it for Download Squad, RIP, um, was uh, I remember debating it with Grant, actually, my husband, on the very first episode of the Squadcast, which was a video podcast that we did um, in 2007 and, and how we met and fell in love. And I remember debating Hulu with him, and he didn't think it would work. He thought it was the dumbest thing ever. And I was like, no, this is genius. But I've always contended that Hulu's big problem is that it was too successful. So it, you know, its owners, its majority owners, all of them, are the networks. And everybody but CBS has, has a stake in it. Um, and I think that it worked too well. And in 2007, especially when it started, it was one of those things where it was like they didn't realize – what the demand was because that was the same year that Netflix started playing around with very limited, you know, streaming stuff first on the Roku and then it later extended it to to Windows and then to Mac and stuff and, and had a a limited library. And I feel like it was such a prescient service and is such a good service. And I think it's only gotten better actually in recent years. I've I've actually recently started to think like, shit, I spend more time in Hulu than I do in Netflix because Hulu has more shows that I watch regularly. But um, you know, it was so successful that the networks weren't ready for it. They just weren't ready for their whole worlds to shift that much. But it would be weird now in 2016 when we're, you know, eight years beyond this, nine years almost, you know, beyond this service being a thing, shit, who's old, um, and um, for it to be like 
for anybody to want to really think that they could move to a model where you literally could have full seasons, but only viewed right. a year well, later. It's, you know, it's a step backwards. Right. It, that's what I'm saying. This is exactly my point. Whereas literally it's a panic move by cable company. Right. But, I, but what I'm saying though, is that it seems even for cable companies, even for the people and although in this case it'd be Warner brothers, who's not a cable company, time Warner um, cable is not associated with time Warner um, other than sharing the same name. Um, it would be weird because they all have to know which way the wind is blowing. Like I see well, them sure, doing... but look at the RIAA in the early days of you know no, moving I, I from understand, but Napster just... to iTunes. Sure, no, you're not wrong. I'm just saying historically, the the studios have been smarter than the music companies. They just have. Then they have been partially because the music industry fucked up so badly. But like historically, the the studios have been way smarter. Not only that, but like they now take their shows. So Warner Brothers is talking about buying them. Them reading this report now. I didn't even see this. Um, was um, you know, s- sells a lot of its shows to Amazon and other places. I mean, so do so do other companies. NBC Universal. I mean, The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt is a perfect example. That was a show that was picked up by NBC, and then NBC opted not to, and then Universal opted not to air it on NBC and instead aired on Netflix. I mean, at this point, the studio side of the business can actually sometimes make more money on these streaming things, and and you're they're creating bona fide real hits of shows that are debuting on streaming and they all understand the power of this. So you're right. It would be a step backward, but to me as stupid as, as, as the big, you know, media companies can be, this seems so stupid. It seems like, okay, this is what you do four years ago. Right. This isn't exactly. What you, it's this too is, late. Right. That's what I'm saying. This is and to me, it seems like even they would have to recognize that in 2016, this is not how this works because literally how Amazon and, and Netflix and Hulu are all kind of, you know, getting subscribers, Netflix especially, is by moving those window by by making the 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 release windows smaller and smaller. Like like NBC signed a deal with for the blacklist, where you know they the, the show shows up on on Netflix very very soon after it's on NBC. You know, it's like an exclusive thing. Like it's that the windows are shrinking, not getting bigger. So I hope that doesn't happen because that would be really terrible for everyone. Yes, I uh, I I think it's it it would be a bad move. Even for it'd be terrible for Hulu. It would be it would be well not for I mean Hulu obviously, but it would be a bad move for Time Warner. Um. So yeah, I mean it would be bad for Time Warner too. It'd be not great of them. Um. Especially, yeah, it's weird. Uh, although what is interesting, speaking of Hulu, so Netflix Japan just got exclusive access to HBO content, which is weird and interesting. So. Um, rather than, I guess, doing like an HBO Go Japan thing, they were just like, we're just going to give it to Hulu Japan. I guess Hulu's really big in Japan. I don't even know. That's just random factoid stuff. Yeah, that's a good band name. Somebody should come up with that. <laughs> I made you laugh. <laughs> you did. Um, so there was this topic that I almost segued into when we were talking about politics on Facebook because it is actually the only argument I have been in online for a long time, and that is the GIF GIF pronunciation issue. Yes. And I have, for a long time, always said it was an animated GIF. I mean, GIF, you know, and like corrected myself for the sake of all these assholes out there. It's a GIF. Thank you. I 100% agree, and I put my foot down and refuse at this point to say GIF. And all of the arguments presented are... They can all be shot down. Yeah, of course they can. First of all, the first argument, people say, oh, well, it's an acronym, so it has to be pronounced GIF. Um, and my response to that is, 
actually the creator of the the graphical um, interface file or whatever the hell it's called um, has said that he pronounces it GIF. And the whole reason I pronounce it Back up. It doesn't even matter what he said because if you were to apply that rule to NASA, it would be NASA. If you were to apply it to SCUBA, it would be SCUBA. Once an acronym, an acronym becomes its own word and is pronounced based on grammatical principles or whatever the inventors define. Yes, exactly. And the inventor in this case called it a GIF file. And it was always called a GIF. I remember having an HTML book from like 1995 that like had a thing like choosy moms choose GIF. Like adds like a little way to like know how to pronounce the files. In CompuServe's documentation, they had a line that said... uh, Choosy developers choose Jeff. Right. So this is my point. So this was the freaking CompuServe, you know, graphical interchange format. So from basically until the 2000s, we all called these GIF files. And then when the reemergence of the animated GIF in funny ways and like video files, all of a sudden these assholes start calling them GIFs. These and people who weren't even around? They weren't <laughs> even around. This is my point. I'm like, you and I, because, because, because we're old and we're nerds, the two best things. You remember when a GIF file was like, you know, like... 256 colors max and like it was better than it it was better than a jpeg on your website because like if it only had a few colors it would only take up a couple kilobytes and that way you wouldn't take up your two megabyte hosting capacity on your geocities website right right Right. we all know these things so like a i'm always going to go auteur theory if auteur says that's pronounced gif it's gif second of all people are like oh well you don't say you know, things like, um, like, well, what was the example? They're like, well, well, the the way that it's pronounced, like, it would be like, uh, they they try to give up other other examples of words, like where there's not a hard G at the beginning. They're like, yeah, oh. and, well, and I'm and I'm like, gin, giraffe, Jim. What's a gime? Right. Oh, a gime. What is gin? <laughs> what is a giraffe? Like, there's so many examples. Well, it, of- okay, so someone actually statistically compiled. The, the, all the words in the English language and showed that only, I think, 1.5% of all words beginning with G started with a hard G. C. Well, see, you know, okay, okay, I'm pulling that out of my ass because I don't remember the exact Right, it doesn't matter, though. But even, even, even if it was English rules don't apply, right. A, because they are completely inconsistent in this case, and B, because it is not necessarily an English word. Like, right. you take GIT, which isn't an acronym, but it's... It could follow the same rules yes. phonetically. It, it had a previous pronunciation in UK right. slang. Exactly. You're a git. And so, yeah, I mean, I mean, the people who pronounce it gif are gits, frankly. <laughs> All right. I mean, I'm look, glad we agree on this I'm because so I could get, I, it's, I don't know why it gets under my skin. Mine too. And I refuse, like, even when you wrote this out, so in our notes, we, we use quip for our documentation and, uh, and, and we were reading, I was like, oh, the GIF, GIF debate, because I can't even say it GIF. Like I, I can't even, like my mind just doesn't even work that way. I wasn't even trying to be funny when I did that. Like I genuinely like just don't read it any other way. Well, and I'll admit that the first time I saw it in my head, I did say GIF. I don't then, remember. You know, once, you know, I was a web developer, we were learning yes. and it was standard yes. to call it a, so GIF. a GIF. Exactly. I mean, I think that's why I go back to my like web development days. For, it's like a 12 year old. And I'm like, yeah, this is what I did in 1995. Well, here's the thing, though. So I thought it was GIF. I learned that it was GIF and I said, OK, it's GIF. Right. So the, all these new <laughs> GIF users come in. 
And they have the same thing, but they say, no, you're just wrong. Right. And then it's even funny because it's even like shifted to like companies based on GIFs. Like, is it Giphy or is it Jiffy? I call them Jiffy, but I think they're technically Giphy. But I don't really care because I'm going to say their name wrong just because if you're going to name your service that, like... It's just defiance. It, it is. So I'm just going to call you <laughs> Jiffy, period. Um, we say, are say, old people. We are get off my lawn internet people. Say, say, same thing with like like Imager or Imager. Like I'm like, it's Imager, period. Yes. Um, I don't care what you want to call it. I'm calling Why you Imager. Why would you Imager? Who I don't would know. do that? I, I've heard some people call it that, and I just typically mostly gift so, people. Oh, my question there would be the IMG extension. Would you say that Img? Right. Thank you. No, it's Image. And because there are no vowels in between, that one, you kind of have to translate. Exactly. It's like Tumblr. You know what I mean? Like, it's right. it's like what Twitter was before it became, before they put the vowels in. Like, there's just, it's Flickr. Flickr. I mean, it could be Flacker, but it's not. No, it's not. It, it's <laughs> Flickr. Um, no, I, so at XOXO. Although not, those rules don't apply at no, all. No, they don't. Not at all. So, so at XOXO, uh, not last year, but the year before that, me and Louis Mantia, got in this very debate and literally ran all over Panic's offices in Portland and asked everybody there to weigh in on the GIF versus GIF debate. I lost. I lost hard. But I will say this. The one, the only cable sasser agreed with me. And so I felt like I won even though I lost. Right. We have to wait the votes. I, I, that's how I felt. I was like, everybody this isn't else, a democracy. This I was, is a I was like, everybody else at this party, and there were like hundreds of people there. I was like, everybody else at this party is like laughing at me. And it's like, no. And I, I was like on my knees in defeat. I was like, but Cable Sasser agrees. So, right. you know. Did you like how I just brought a bring it on reference into this? I did. I did. I really loved that. Can we also talk about how hot Gabriel, Gabriel Union still is? Speaking of bring it on. Sure. Google her right now. Just Just see her hotness. She's still so hot. Yes. Yes, she is. She's a very attractive lady. She's a nice lady. She's a nice lady. I'm a big fan. Yeah. Uh, I'm taking yoga. Why are you I taking start yoga? On Monday. Well, A, A, I, I get uh, I get pretty cheap and the friend who teaches it is pretty hot. Um, <laughs> but B, I my my um physical therapy for my back has run its course i'm done now and just doing the same exercises for the rest of my life seems boring so i'm looking to uh i'm taking yoga courses specifically designed for lower back okay you know and there are entire sections of Pornhub dedicated to yoga and so i can't say that i don't have some uh fantasy based (laughs) ulterior motive for going to a yoga class. I have not done it yet. I, I seriously doubt it How will does your be wife anything feel about like this? the movies I watch. She's very excited, not for that reason, but because I'm actually getting out and doing something. Okay. But, <laughs> but I mean, I, I don't know how much she knows about your Pornhub viewing history because, like, I don't know anything about my husband's, like, and I don't care. You know what I mean? Yeah, we're kind of in the same position. Like, she was curious once and she got some info and never asked again. <laughs> Yeah, I usually just I'm like, you do you, dude. Like, yeah, whatever floats your boat. Like, that's cool. Um, don't pay attention that's to what I'm looking at. That's a very healthy attitude, by the way. I mean, I think so. I mean, like, you do you, and I'm also like, but by the same token, like, let me do me. You know, like, right. I yeah. mean, well, I mean, pornography is not a reflection on real people. It, it is your own personal fantasy, and that it doesn't. It's not a judgment or no. Like, 
seeing that someone watches something other than what you are is it's not a, a judgment of you. It's and it doesn't lessen your attractiveness in any way. That's, oh, I agree. I agree. People, people in general, anti-porn people are I feel like they just project too many things onto especially the male psyche but the female as well oh well female i think even more so because if you're a female who admits to watching porn or like reading dirty stories like then suddenly there's like you're overly sexualized and there's something wrong with you <laughs> like there that 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 becomes the judgment right so like men it becomes like oh well, you pervert this or that but at least like we all kind of expect the dudes like watch porn and jack off but oh my god if you talk about female masturbation or the fact that like women like are interested in sex like that becomes a whole other topic that like is just too taboo to function it does. It, it it can be very weird for people. I I personally do not have any problem with it. I have learned that watching porn together rarely is a good idea. Yeah, I mean, I think because everyone has because you know, everybody their has own their own thing. thing, right? And it becomes, and I think also, and it's a weird thing because we keep this, I think, as a society, so hidden. Like it becomes this personal thing. So it is a very weird sensation when you're then watching it with someone else. And that can be. I mean, the, the, the whole idea of forbidden acts can be erotic, but I think in, in my case, at least any time that I have tried to share the experience with anyone, I have tempered, you know, I've tried to pick something to watch that I think we'll both kind of enjoy, but then neither one of us really enjoy it. Yeah. And then it's like you, cause you have like different likes about things. I mean, I'm really sad with all the James Dean allegations because obviously he's clearly a bad person, but I did actually find him legitimately attractive. And then I'm like, okay, well straight porn sucks now. I know exactly who you're talking about, but I don't know anything about, I guess I try not to read about these things. Well, it was like all over the news that like, these aren't real people to me. Well, no, at, Right, and I would prefer to keep it that way too. But when the news is literally about all the girls who are out, porn stars who are alleging that he was like violent with them, like on the set, and like did things like without their consent, and is like being accused of rape, then it, you're kind of like, okay, well, I can never enjoy that again. Well, I agree, and you know and what I mean. That, that does ruin, yeah, quite a bit for me. See, and and I mean, I think. I think things like that, I, I appreciate that there are regulatory institutions, whether self-policed or government dictated, at least in California, about, you know, um, treatment and and protection and things like that. I need to know that in order to enjoy it. And then finding things like that out, it casts cast a, a shadow on the whole industry then. So that's not great. Yeah, I would agree with that. A shadow on the whole, <laughs> a, a, a shadowed industry that gets shadowed. Hmm. Um, okay, so so back to yoga though. I mean, away from porn for two seconds. Back to yoga. So, have you ever done yoga before, other than I watching did yoga once porn on a cruise ship mm -hmm. on my honeymoon, and it was way harder than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, no, it can be pretty hard. I haven't done it in years and years, but I used to do it. I used to really like it. I should get back into it. But yeah. Well, it... and the the biggest concern for both me and my instructor is my uh my carpal tunnel. My I can't plant my hands and support my body weight on these wrists. Um I can I do all of my back exercises with bald fists. Um so I can do it, but I there are a lot of yoga poses I can't pull off interesting so i'm actually have to have like a specialized yoga course which is convenient because i have a, a friend who is a yoga instructor and can arrange that for me but and your friend uh, your, your your friend who's super hot right 
Uh, yeah, I, I did say that. You did say that. I was just, <laughs> I was just, you know, focusing on. I, I, I see certain things. Anyway, <laughs> so another episode of Brett's confessional. <laughs> uh, are we glad our spouses don't listen to this show? <laughs> I mean, not that we're saying anything wrong that would get us in trouble or anything, but it's just like I'm just glad that like of of the people who listen to this show, they don't include like my husband sometimes. Yeah, my wife either. But honey, if you're listening, of... it is fine. But <laughs> speaking of spouses, it's very close in spelling to the word sponsors. Yes, that was a horrible segue. It was a horrible into segue. A Casper ad. I mean, um, look, at least the segue happened after we stopped talking about Pornhub. Right. And I think they should they should be happy about that. Whoops. Sorry, guys. So I'm going to go ahead and do the read. Yes. But then I'll tell you what I actually think. Okay. So this episode of Overtired is brought to you by Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. For years, the mattress industry has forced consumers into paying notoriously high markups, Casper is, the revolu- Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and showrooms and passing that savings directly to the customer. Casper makes an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price, especially for a mattress that's made in America. Casper mattresses offer just the right sink and just the right bounce thanks to two technologies, latex foam and memory foam, that come together for better nights and brighter days. Compared to industry average... Compared to industry averages, which are well over $1,500, Casper mattresses range from only $500 for a twin to $950 for a king-size bed, and those price points are on the verge of totally insane. Buying a mattress online can have you wondering how this is possible, but it's because Casper cuts out the showroom and they really do pass the savings on to you. If you're still nervous about the idea of buying your mattress online, Casper has a completely risk-free trial and return policy so you can try sleeping on a Casper for 100 days and free delivery and painless returns if you don't love it. Um, I did actually get one of these when I first heard about it because I was in the market for a mattress at the time. Yes. And it is, I still use it today. And I think at least three times a week, God, I love this mattress. It is, it is exactly the right level of softness for me and for my wife and with a gel cooler like I have this uh, moisture absorbing gel topper for it Mm -hmm. it's just like an inch thick but it keeps it from heating up which memory foam can tend to do so that extra 60 bucks made this the best mattress I have ever had and I have had mattresses worth thousands of dollars and I got this one for 900 and I know I said nine fifty, but that's because you can get fifty dollars off of any Casper purchase by going to Casper.com slash overtired and using the promo code overtired. Terms and conditions apply. So check those out. But definitely I am happy to have Casper as a sponsor because it was something I took a chance on and actually truly love. I, so I'm in. We are in also in the market for a new mattress. In fact, I'm recording this on my old mattress that I've had for a really, really long time, and it's it's just past its point of of going away. Mike, I have a couple of questions, and I'm very I'm very positive that I'll be getting a, a Casper. I don't know when I will be ordering, but um, I'm pretty sure I will be joining you in, in the, on the Casper train, just because a I like how they seem to to, to ship them. 
um, B, I've heard so many good things about them, mostly from you. Now, do you have yours on top of a box spring? I currently do. I've tried it both ways, and both ways were fine. For me, the box spring, the bed frame that I have kind of doesn't work well without a box spring. So uh, that's the only reason I have it there. It, it kind of, it's to taste, I guess. Yeah. Uh, now, now, how long do box springs last? Like, should I be doing a thing where I get rid of both my mattress and my box spring and get a new box spring? Or do you think I'm good with keeping my old box spring and just adding the Casper? I do not know the answer to that. But given the simplicity of the mechanics behind a box spring, I do doubt unless it's actually like a cross beam is broken i don't think you need a new one makes sense makes sense cool well casper thank you for sponsoring overtired so i have a question yes can you explain kanye to me um mm, maybe why okay so why why can he get away with the absolute drivel that he tweets and what what makes him so bulletproof? Okay. So I think it's two things. I think one, his brand, for better or worse, has basically been since the moment he said George W. Bush doesn't care about black people, um, or George Bush doesn't care about black people, has been to basically say whatever he wants. And that's sort of his brand. So right, we kind but, of expect it. But that statement was political and could potentially be argued a statement like Bill Cosby is innocent. I know. Completely with no context. You're no, you're not ridiculous. wrong. Okay, but here's the thing. But leading up to that moment, you gotta say between those two moments, like so the first one happens in two thousand five, the next one happens in two thousand sixteen. We've had eleven years of Kanye just being freaking crazy, especially on Twitter. The number of times like when he went on the rant that that kind of lit Twitter on fire about Wiz Khalifa and, 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 and waves and because he thought that Wiz like insulted his girl when really Wiz was just talking about weed like <laughs> he deleted the whole thing and I said and fortunately we all got screen crabs but I was like he's gonna delete this because he's done this before like he went on a rant like a year after Taylor Swift thing where he apologized to her yeah he's now taking that apology back God only knows how many times I mean I'm not even gonna get into their latest beef because I don't care and that says a lot <laughs> for me to not care but I did think her Grammy speech was good, but I was also like, oh, Taylor, just now never speak of him ever again. Just blacklist all questions of him from future interviews. So Don't feed could... the trolls. Well, I, I mean, I did appreciate that she did acknowledge it because everybody was thinking about it. And I was like, you know what? That was kind of a nice way to say, fuck you. I have two album of the year Grammys and you have none. <laughs> um, and I'm a woman and I'm the first woman to do this. And, but, and, but, but, and I'm going to let you finish. But no, <laughs> exactly. No, but to getting back to the main Kanye point, I mean, I think that literally his brand for years, he goes on these Twitter rants. He says things crazy in public. Frankly, to me, I don't want to like make any assumptions about anybody's mental health or anything. Like I'm not a doctor, but sometimes <laughs> it seems like the way he tweets, it seems like he's like manic. I, I 100% agree with that, but I don't think that's rare in musicians. I don't either. I don't Thing either. Is, I, but musicians that have had this kind of personality, like very public episodes in the past, have also either had really good music to back it up. And I know some people argue that he's a genius. I think he's I, a genius. I, but, I, I don't but, necessarily sure. buy that. But or they've disappeared for long enough to make a comeback later. Right. No, and he's he just, somehow it 
deeds. He does. Well, he goes away for long periods of time and then he comes back. And so he's been in this whole kind of promotion thing for season three and, 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 and the life of Pablo with the album of, of which he's changed the name of like 18 times before it finally came out. I don't know. I feel like people, I feel like he gets away with it because people don't expect him to be anything other than the crazy guy on Twitter. And so you're almost shocked by what he can say. <laughs> I well, do. Okay. So the Yeezus album. Yeah. Which was not it a great had album. Its gems. It, it did. Had its gems. It did, but and it was problematic. Parts of it that, there were parts of it that made me reconsider. Just there were moments basically where I was like, wow, that is really coherent, really smart, and actually very moving. Um, but overall, none of his albums really as a whole make me think, wow, this guy can say whatever he wants. And really? Okay. Cause I would actually disagree with that for on a couple of levels. I think that Yeezus is his weakest album by far. I think, um, I think that it has moments of greatness, but I feel like it's, it lacks a lot of like cohesiveness in a, in a very important way. I think. So what, what album should I give a full listen to? My beautiful dark twisted fantasy. Okay. Um, so that was released in 2010. I'm actually still mad for him that that was not nominated for album of the year. Um, it came out in November and I, and, and they didn't put on a great Grammy campaign. So it wouldn't have been able to be nominated until the next year, but it was an amazing album. I think Adele swept everything that year and, and, and 21 was a great album, but I think that my beautiful dark twisted fantasy was better. Uh, that album is fantastic from beginning to end. It's absolutely brilliant. I think 808 heartbreak, which is, was kind of his like, uh, jumping into EDM a little bit was really ahead of its time. So he released that in 2009 and it was different than all of his other music. Um, it was very much kind of a grieving album and sporadic in a lot of places because he just lost his mother. But it also, if you listen to it now, um, seven years later, I kind of, um, was on the precipice of the big kind of EDM revolution that was going to happen in mainstream music. Like he was there already. So would you say that his, his best work is the best because of production and music or because of lyrics and content? I think both. So I think that my beautiful dark twisted fantasy fit, hits the mark on both of those things. I think the production is absolutely fantastic, but the lyrics are great too. And the people he worked with are great. I think that the, the, the college dropout, his first album is a fantastic album and has some great lyricism. I think that, uh, the, the late registration, his follow-up was really good and had some good songs. Um, graduation. Uh, I got into the discussion with this with, with Wesley Lowry from, from um, the Washington, um, uh, post, um, he thinks that's the one that stands up the best. I don't agree with that. That's probably of all of them other than Yeezus, probably the one I've listened to the least. That's the one that had Stronger on it. It had really good singles and, and has some really good tracks. But I feel like, for me, my list probably goes My, my Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, um, uh, College Dropout, Late Registration, 808 Heartbreak, Graduation, um, and then Yeezus. And I don't know where to put The Life of Pablo yet because I haven't listened to it enough. It's a good album. The first half especially is really strong. Then it gets really weak in the middle and then kind of finds its way at the end. But I feel like My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, like that's literally an album that I've been, I mean, it was released more than five years ago. And I still find myself like humming along to it like on a frequent basis. Like I still, right, so like it's a great album. I will go back and I will give My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy a, a chance again. Yes, you need you need to listen to that for all the way through it, it, because it's really good. I mean, a, a lot of the songs, like like one of the big you know hits, kind of the, the breakout thing was probably All the Lights, and that's just like a, an amazing kind of sonic track that's beautiful. It's got great hooks. It's got, you know, like Fergie actually does the verse on it and is 
not terrible. Like you don't even know it's her. Um, uh, there's, there's, it's, it's just, it's good. I would also say, listen to, um, watch the throne, his, um, his, uh, collab with, uh, with Jay-Z, their, their kind of versus album, because even though that's equally a Jay-Z album, it has a lot of really good Kanye stuff on it too. So, and I the, feel the song, um, uh, there was a video that had like, uh, riots in the street, people throwing Molotov cocktails at horses, things like that. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Uh, yeah, I think that, that was, was Kanye. Wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, that was. What was that? Um, I think it was Bound. Um, no. That was good. That caught my eye both because of the quality of the video and the song was intriguing. And I believe it was a collaboration with Jay-Z. Yeah, that might have been. Um, uh, trying to think. Uh, oh, no, no, that was No Church in the Wild. Yes, that's the that was one. No Church in the Wild, which is which was off of Watch the Throne, uh, which okay. is which, which is which is a great album too. Um, I feel like the two, be- I mean, honestly, I feel like kind of two of the best pieces of work he did. I think that creatively he was at his peak during the period when he did um, uh, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy and Watch the Throne. I feel like that was kind of peak creative Kanye. I do really enjoy um, the College Dropout. I think that that album, which is now twelve years old, um, is um, just really really strong um there was a, a thing that came out a mashup that, that that was released last week uh to soundcloud and then immediately pulled but i have it so if anybody wants it <laughs> sign into my dms of a mashup of a called a death cap for yeezy where they mashed up early death cap albums yes. and, and early kanye albums and it's nice. genius i will send it to you after the show because so it's if great. your favorite if your favorite stuff is a decade old, though, has he become lately a caricature of himself? Kind of. So, well, my favorite stuff is five years old. But, yeah, good point. So, again, like, I didn't love Yeezus as an album. I thought parts of it were good. I thought Black Skinhead was a really good track. But, like, the, there were problems with it. But then I listened to things on The Life of Pablo, and there are moments of, of just pure greatness. There are moments of of just really good musicality and i i do think into an i do think that, that with his twitter rants and with the fact that like why just take away his twitter password kim like i don't understand and if kim's not going to do it then have her mother do it because her mother certainly is ballsy or hire to, like, a social media expert well to control your shit i mean just change his freaking password like it's not hard you know what i mean like just freaking because that way he, he he he'll just get pissed off or whatever but just change his password on him like I do feel like it's taken away from what his art is. And and that was why I was kind of getting annoyed with some of his stuff. Like at first it was interesting. And then I was just kind of being like, well, I'm kind of a little worried about your mental health. And then you start going off about Bill Cosby and I'm like, okay. Okay. Well, And I do think bipolar is a very, honestly, like I couldn't possibly, you know, based on news headlines, um, uh, diagnose somebody. But if I were going to attribute his actions and his moments of genius versus his moments of insanity to right. a disorder. I would say it sounds very bipolar. Well, so there was a so he was on SNL last week, and oh my god, that was the worst SNL performance I have ever it, seen. It wasn't great. He's done some really good performances, including at SNL 40 when he did um, the 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 um, song with uh, only one with Paul McCartney, which was good, like on a black screen. Sure. He actually did SNL has bad performances. Their music performances are rarely well they don't sound good they don't look good adele was like one of the recent things but that was bad well Well, and and hold up the uh uh florence and the machine did snl and it was not good i love florence yeah and that performance made me cringe but kanye's last week was the worst i have seen um i mean i i didn't think it was that bad but it certainly wasn't his strongest thing and and especially i mean 
like I said, when he was there a year ago for the 40th anniversary thing, when, when he was laying on the floor doing, you know, um, uh, only one. <laughs> and he was great that way. Like he was literally laying on his back and that was actually a really good performance, but this one didn't really come together. But did you hear the, the New York post leak of, of him ranting behind the scenes? Cause apparently they changed some stuff on his stage. And so he goes off and this isn't the first time that you've had audio leaking of him going crazy. But in this case, like he really sounded like listen to it. Like, again, I'm not a doctor and I hate even saying this on a podcast that people are going to listen to. Cause like, I'm not trying to like, um, like diagnose anybody or anything, but listening to it, I'm like, he sounds like he's in the middle of a manic episode. And this was New York post. Did you say? Yeah. Uh, page six, uh, just, just search a Kanye leaked audio. Okay. I'm not going to right now, but I'm adding it yeah. to the show notes. Yeah. Um, and, and so, uh, he's like, don't fuck with me. Don't fuck with me. Like he just goes on like a total rant and apparently, cause apparently he almost washed off the, sh- walked off the show. Like apparently like he, um, almost, um, he was so mad about stuff that like Lauren Michaels had to come in and like talk him down. And Kim Kardashian, who's in the audience had to like come in and like talk him down. Like it's bad when like they got to like get Kim in there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I did enjoy the bit with Kyle Mooney, the yeah. where where he does a rap battle. Um, I I feel like uh, the Kanye's part in that was heartfelt. I actually, that, felt, that, I I feel like he wrote that. He bit. did. Well, that's actually on his new album. Oh, okay. And it's it's it, that it, makes it, sense. It, it's actually a track on his new album. But it went through a couple of name changes. At one at one point, it was called "I Like the Old Kanye." Yeah. Um, this one's called I Love Kanye, but it's like, it's actually a really, I, I, it's 45 seconds and I actually really like that track because like, I well, actually, with the line, I love you like Kanye I loves love Kanye. Kanye. Yeah. Which is perfect. I mean, the whole it thing, is. it's the most self-aware part of the whole album. And that's one thing that I have to say, <laughs> Kanye typically is not self-aware at all. Um, but, uh, that was pretty self-aware on the album. I really liked the song FML on the album, uh, which, uh, the weekend does a vocal hook on. Um, there's also a track called real friends, which was leaked earlier this year on SoundCloud, uh, by Kanye. And then has been like redone, which is actually kind of like fucked up where he talks about the fact that like, you know, um, he had to pay $300,000 to one of his cousins to get a laptop back because his cousin stole his laptop, but it had a shit on it. And he was like, and had like stuff like girls even talking to and other stuff and like had sex tapes on it. And he was like, I gotta like pay my family now to like not sell me out. Like it's kind of, it's kind of messed up. Um, but no, I mean, I don't know. I think, I think he gets away with a lot because a, a lot of us do consider him a genius, but I think he's pushing it. Like, I think that he's almost getting to the self parody point at this point. And I think where, right. where he's really maybe going to lose people is though all the talks about how he's like in debt. A, he's not really in debt. You know, he's, he makes a, a lot of money, but he's probably lost $53 million in the last three years on his fashion ventures. And part of, part of that is because fashion's expensive. And yes, he studied in Paris and like tried to get serious about it. But like, it costs a lot of money to do these shows and people, buyers aren't buying the clothes, you know, like everybody yeah. wants, everybody wants the shoes and he makes some money off the shoes. I mean, he's got this whole beef with Nike, which I don't even care anything about, except it's, he literally goes into events. Like he goes into Madison square garden during his fashion show and is trying to get an audience screaming, fuck Nike. And like, okay, now it's going to be really hard for you to, like I was talking to my friend Adario about this and we're, he's like, how are you going to get business deals and people to work with you in the future when like, this is how you're acting? Like there becomes like a certain point where his public persona, I think will hurt some of his business endeavors. And frankly, I just don't think, I think the shoes are fine, but I, I don't love the clothes. 
um, like from a fashion perspective. I don't know, like, okay, you put fifty three million into this. Maybe you you're probably overspending on a lot of things just because you don't know better. But like, when are you going to accept that like enough's enough? Like going to Mark Zuckerberg. He would Zuckerberg, do better on these things if he spent his money hiring people to front the business for him. Right, but he doesn't want to do that. He doesn't. I know. I know. That's he, and that's that's the issue is yes. that he he, he needs that kind creat- of attention. He wants to be the creative center of the whole thing. He doesn't want to do what 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 what. Um, Puffy did with Sean John, although that was a much smarter move, you know, by doing the Sean, we're not talking about smart here. No, we're not. But what I'm saying is it's funny because he's recently been calling like Puffy, like his OG. And it was funny that he said that because I was having a conversation with someone I work with because we talk, we slack each other consistently about Kanye. And I actually said that like a couple days before he tweeted that I was like, oh my God, you know, the original Kanye is actually Puffy, right? But, and then Puffy kind of went crazy too, but never as crazy. And then just kind of disappeared for a while. But like, Uh, okay, wait, 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 wait. So here's here's what what kind of trips me out is a lot of the reason Puffy and the same all the way, you know, Michael Jackson, Madonna, they didn't have the raw access to social media to just expose themselves the way that Kanye does now. Right. And and Bieber as well. But Bieber seems to be a little less impulsive about it. Or is someone is controlling? Oh no 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 no! What did someone is controlling him? Because he freaked out. Like he, his career was almost over, and so was the last year and a half has literally been an apology tour on on behalf of his manager and his label (laughs) for him to make amends with the entire world. Like uh, Katie Weaver, who used to be at Gawker, now is at and now is at GQ, did an amazing cover story on him that's really good. Isn't that one of his new songs? I'm sorry. Sorry. Yeah, I think he's kind of apologizing to (laughs) Selena Gomez for that, but he's apologizing to a lot of people. And it, it, but literally, his new song is he's. I mean, he basically has gone on a worldwide apology tour for being an asshole. And and uh, Katie Weaver's uh, GQ story, which we should find and put in the um, notes because it's really good. I'm searching for it. Kind of goes into um, a lot of that. Like she spent like a day with him in LA and then a day with him in New York and and kind of talking about um, what. you know, kind of looking at, 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 at life. Uh, yeah, it's called Justin Bieber would like to reintroduce himself. And, and it is sort of like <laughs> this, this thing where he spent all this time kind of trying to make amends for what's happened, but you're right. Literally the song, sorry, which is a great track. Like I hate to, I hate that. I love the Bieber album so much. And I know that he had nothing to do with this because he, um, doesn't write his own songs. Um, other people write them for him and produce them like Skrillex and, um, um, you know, did, uh, and Diplo did, uh, where are you now? Which is also a great track. And, and Ed Sheeran did, um, um, uh, love yourself or whatever. Um, but, uh, you know, he doesn't do his own songs, but he sells the hell out of them and they're produced well. Um, and I, and like, I have to say his manager who is the, is the guy that discovered him on YouTube and got with Usher and was like, we can make this boy famous. Like, it'd been bad because he'd had like this, this really clean image and then it was bad for a long time. And so now they've literally had to go on like an apology tour, but Kanye, you know, damn well is never going to do that. Like, well, and then you look at Brittany though. I mean, she went, everyone assumed she was insane and gone forever. Then she came back as kind of a more grown up bad girl. Um, so she's in Vegas. I mean, it's different. She hasn't had a radio hit in a long time. Okay. I'm talking about womanizer. Okay. I'm talking about the era where she made her return. Yes, to and the you're radio. dead on. You're dead on. But but she made that return. Um, we'll see if she can do it again. You're right. I mean, but that again, that's again, she had Larry Rudolph to do that. So Larry Rudolph bless him, and it took like four years. But yeah, I mean, because that happened actually nine years ago this week when she shaved her head. 
Um, yeah. Never forget. Um, <laughs> you have it on your calendar. I do. You, 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 you I, I kind of do. It's one of those moments. I, it, it is one of those like life defining pop culture moments for me. It's like, where were you when Britney shaved her head? It's like what happened? Like, where were you when Michael Jackson died when Britney shaved her head? You know, we found out Heath, Heath Ledger was dead. Like there are these moments that like, for me, like resonate like with pop culture and like Britney shaving her head is like, honestly so high up there on my list because it was just an insane moment. Like who fucking expected that like she'd been on the deep end you know we, we knew that she was partying a lot we knew that she'd had the you know was getting divorced and had the you know she we knew she was you know redneck white trash we knew all that's about her but like <laughs> we didn't think that she was going to shave her head and then when she had that vma performance which was what created the whole leave britney alone thing you know which made that yeah. kid famous like I mean, there are just so many like layers to Britney Spears, but it took a while for Womanizer, and you're right, she did come back, and now she's got her Vegas show, which I plan on actually going to see. But um, yeah, I mean, Kanye could definitely do it, but at this point, I don't think Kanye has to do it. The weird thing is, is that the crazy thing's sort of working for him. It'll work. I don't for think him. Kanye w- will do it. No, of course he won't, uh, because he's too much of a narcissist, I think. But also, I feel like this whole crazy thing—it's going to work for him until it doesn't. And what's going to be interesting. And we might be reaching this point now, frankly, is when he just typically I think he's gotten away with the crazy because he does it in bursts. I think what's been happening lately, what I've noticed the last few weeks is he just won't shut up. And it's like, OK, we can take this in bursts. But like I had an if this then that recipe that would like text me every time he tweeted. I had to turn it off <laughs> because it was waking me up in the middle of the night, like going crazy and like. He used to not tweet that often, so it wasn't that big of a deal. And then it was actually useful because he was going crazy on Twitter all the time and I was entertained. Then I was getting a little freaked out and being like, is it okay to be entertained by somebody who might be you know, hurting or whatever? And then I was like, well, now I'm just annoyed because it's 3 o'clock in the morning and I'm getting like 15 messages. Well, and this goes messages. back to – you said you know, these are the most self-aware tracks on the album. And I feel like that – his persona right now is so raw. Like he's constantly showing us – what we you know perceive as being exactly who he is in the raw and that's something that is not done in pop stardom no it's not and that's i think is what is fascinating about him he is exactly you're dead on he is exactly who he is like he's a narcissist he's full of himself he has an ego um but he's the person who you would never mistake anybody is tweeting for kanye except for kanye (laughs) you know what i mean i'm sure i could fake it pretty well i'm sure you could but what i mean though is that other celebrities at least they're thinking about their celebrity when they're tweeting Yes. People of his stature, people who have 20 million followers. Or they're thinking at all. Right. Well, they're, they're, they're thinking, right. You know what I mean? They, they, they are. pause before they hit tweet. Right. Right. You know, I mean, and if there's not, then they usually don't last doing it very long. Yet he's been doing this for years. You know, he used to right. have a blog. Which, which is exactly why I asked this question is how does he pull that I off? Think I think because I think he's enigmatic. I think that he's, he's, a, and he's an interesting persona. And I, I think that the fact that we've spent all this time talking about him is why. Well, and and to me, this is a conversation about the evolution of the pop stardom in general. Um, And I think Kanye is actually a big part of shaping the future of pop stardom. Not to lump him in entirely with Britney and Bieber, but that's really where his audience is. Like when his first album came out, like I was way more interested in Nas than Kanye. Nas was always... Oh, yeah. I love Nas. Well, I think Illmatic is, is the greatest hip-hop album of all time. I agree. Um, I got in a debate with this. Uh, my friend Heidi thinks uh, um, uh, Tupac, but but no, I'm going to go Illmatic always. Yeah, I, I love Tupac, but he Me did too. not have the uh, the gravitas 
that no, not. And, and if you look at his if you look at his album outwork, like if you look at All Eyes on Me, as great of an album as that was, like I still don't feel like that that's not Illmatic. I can recite all of All Eyes on Me. That's just just so you know. That's I'm a huge Tupac fan and I still think <laughs> that Nas had some better work. Anyway, anyway. What about Me I, Against the World? Me Against the World is a good album too. Yes. Oh my god. Yes. Um I I just post I added a link to Quip. It is uh to uh a mashup called Fucking Womanizer. <laughs> And it's a Lily Allen slash Britney Spears mashup that is just Oh, I've heard awesome. that. I've heard that. So good. But, okay. So, the other big thing that I wanted to talk about, because I know you have more information than I do, and I've done a lot of reading, is yeah. the FBI request for the Apple backdoor. <sighs> oh, my God. This, that's like a whole show. That's like a whole show in, in and of itself. But let's get into it. What? Okay. What? what, what how, how do you want to talk about this? Okay, so... It seems to me that the FBI's request is um, not only unprecedented, but unwarranted, because if they wanted to, they could hack a phone. Um, they say no, but you're right. So, OK, okay. So, so let's let's leave that aside, though. OK, the to ask a corporation to defeat their security is not it, it's unprecedented They They've never done this before. And it seems to me like they're covering up their own mistakes in this investigation. Part of it, yes. Okay, so, I mean, what they're basically asking them to do is to is to, to jailbreak the phone. Is basically they're asking for a jailbreak. Right, and um, they're asking for one phone, for a, a custom OS to be built for a single phone used once, which seems mundane. Well, and they say used once, but when you look at what they actually want to do, they want to just hard code the UID into the software so it could be repeatable for another iPhone 5C and it would be very easy for if this order were to go through for another court to to issue a same order saying this is the only way right. we can get into this create because for this above all this well. sets a precedent precisely and that and, and so so Apple had a call um an on background call with reporters yesterday that I was on where they talked about and responded to kind of the government's uh, claims they have until next week to issue their response um the government, you know, first the, the, the federal court issued the the um, the motion and then the Department of Justice basically piggybacked on that yesterday. Um, the piggybacking didn't change anything in the case. The facts are all the same. And, and, you know, like they all but admit in the filing that they're honestly doing it. They accuse Apple of, of not wanting to get into the phone for marketing reasons, but saying, the, oh, your, your commitment to privacy is really a marketing ploy. Uh, and look, that might be true, but that doesn't mean that it's not still valid. Um, but let's be very real the reason that they then brought in like the the the, the you know punchiness of of the um the whole reason the department of justice filed a motion to compel was because they want to control the narrative what's happening right now even getting aside from some of the technical things that i think is really interesting is that there's this amazing pr back and forth between apple and the government and they're both very good at PR and they're both very good at manipulating the media and they're both very good at trying to tell their story. And so to see those two sides fighting over trying to get stuff out is interesting. And then as a journalist, I'm trying to like, I, I'm in a position where I'm trying to like find out, well, what's accurate and what's not, because, you know, you hear things from both sides and they both just want to say things that make themselves look better. But I do fundamentally agree. I mean, what they're asking for is unprecedented. What they're asking for 
it's not as if it should be noted that it's not as if they've never asked that the government never asked companies to, to do things like this because they do maybe not in the digital space, but they certainly ask companies all the time to, to do things that would even be a burden on their business um, to, to work with the government and, 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 and to turn over information. Um, they, they cite a New York telephone case um, in, in, in the briefing and, and where they made, you know, the telephone company turn over certain things and, and they've, they've certainly compelled companies to do stuff before. We don't always know about these things, but um what they're asking in this case is very specific and is both technically possible um, and, frankly, pretty scary. And Apple has a lot of reasons to not want to do this. I mean, one of the reasons that they even said on their call yesterday was, you know, that there's a, a similar case, but it's different in, in some key ways happening happening in New York where Apple's wanting to get a phone unlocked. Or not uh, Apple's wanting to get a phone unlocked. The, the New York is trying to get a phone unlocked. That phone's actually running iOS 7. They don't even need Apple to intervene. Um, because the because the, the the security software is not there, so they actually would be able to break into the phone without a problem. Not only that, the guy pled guilty, but the attorney general, um, the state's attorney rather, is, is is really the prosecutor is one to make an example of this, and he wants to force Apple to unlock this phone. Um, and, and reading through that brief, which I which I've done over the week, was really interesting. Um, because they, they you kind of see where the government's kind of arguments are going to be going. What's um, but, but yeah, I mean, the, the whole argument that the government's making is just for one phone is frankly bullshit. And even the government has to know that. And, and, and people I've talked to, you know, on that side even will kind of be like, well, obviously we know that this could be reused, but we're not focused on that. We're just focused on this one case. But what's also interesting is that, you know, I've been hearing from a lot of people in the security community who claim that there are hackers who are more than willing to help get into this phone. And right. so I think to your point that the re- the government stands by now, whether this is true or not, but the government's c- position very clearly is that the only way that they can get into this phone is for Apple to, to get into it. And that's why they're taking these measures. However, um, people I've talked to and who knows indicates that's that's not true or at least not the only way around things. Um, that there are there are multiple ways where people are are volunteering saying look we will break into this phone well Um, and to take this to court to make this a public court case the only reason i can see is to set a precedent oh yeah is to say that i mean because there was a a ruling uh, maybe last year where they said that a user could be forced to turn over their password but not their thumbprint no it's the opposite opposite they, they could, you can turn okay, over their so thumbprint but but not the password exposed, but yeah you don't have to reveal your password you don't have to reveal your password but 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 they can make you lift up your fingerprint and i think that's actually only with um like border cases i don't think that's actually with other stuff so if it's a little bit different but yeah you're right um but th- in this case though i mean you know it, it's there are a lot of interesting components one of the components is that the phone itself did not belong to the gunman it actually belonged to the san bernardino health department Here's the problem. From the best I can tell, and I'm still trying to figure this out, and I've actually been working on a story about this all day, it does not appear that the San Bernardino Health Department had any sort of MDM or or multi-device management software installed on the phone, meaning they didn't have anything on the phone that would have allowed the IT person to get into it. So even before we get into what then happened, which was that they reset the iCloud password and fucked up any chances of, a, of an up-to-date backup, which was uh, San Bernardino says was done at the FBI's request. So good job, FBI. Um, the fact is, is that this was a work-issued phone that the government issued that didn't have any way for IT to get into it, Like, which to me is just like so – like are you kidding me? Like – 
small businesses, like small companies with, with 15, 20 people do better than that let alone an entire county or you're issuing phones to people in your departments and you're not putting management software on there. Um, or if they did have management software on there, even if it was one admin profile, um, a security expert I've been talking to, Jonathan um, Zidziarski, says then there would probably be a way to reset the passcode if there was any sort of security profile on that phone. But who knows if there was or wasn't. The FBI, or not the FBI, the Department of Justice won't tell me. Apple doesn't know. And I haven't been able to get any word out of the San Bernardino. So I have to assume that there wasn't anything. Which just makes you go, you know, what, I mean, you just, you look at the incompetence on all these layers. It makes me as a person very afraid to be like, okay, well, um, how can I now trust the government to protect anything that they're doing or protect these other agencies who are going to be asking for the software to you know, not mess up because you can't even trust them to issue phones correctly. So then shortly after uh, Snowden, Edward Snowden jumped in on Twitter Mm -hmm. and, uh, and then was followed by Google and WhatsApp, which is heartening to me. Um, Yeah. I mean, Google, I think that I, I don't love everything Google said because I feel like they were kind of like, um, I think they kind of pussyfooted around it a little bit. Well, sure. But they agreed that forcing companies, quote, forcing companies to enable hacking could compromise users' privacy. Yes. Which is the stance I didn't necessarily expect Google to take. Well, I think we they know are... AT&T and companies like that won't take that stance. No, they won't. And well, I, I think what it comes down to is I think they recognize the, the, pro, the, 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 negatives, the negativity of the precedent. Well, sure. I mean, even from a PR perspective alone, you don't want to be known as a company that is uh, – uh, willing to open back doors. No, you don't. Well, no, especially not when a lot of your customers are businesses who might have trade secrets, who might have other things, or when you're dealing with things in other countries. I mean, and that's something that Apple sure. said yesterday to, to us on the call. They said, you know, this China has never asked for this. Russia has never asked for this. Well, and, being asked and the for fact is that creating it will give, get them. Makes us, yeah, it completely. makes us susceptible to foreign powers uh, Completely, quickly. completely. I mean, there, there, there's... Absolutely. I mean, this is going to be probably a Supreme Court case. I'm, I'm guessing that's probably where it's going to wind up going. Um, yeah. You know, uh, but what's 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 really interesting is, and what I keep kind of jumping on is, I don't think there's anything on this phone. I I couldn't venture to guess that i mean i'm gonna i'm just gonna say from what we know this is this was his work phone this was found in his car were not the three phone the other three phones he had which were destroyed um it was his work phone and they have backups that are six weeks old and and i mean it just seems to me like you know he had find my iphone was turned on yet apparently the fbi wants us to believe that they turned the iCloud backups off. So like, why would he turn iCloud backups off, but keep find my iPhone on? Like that doesn't make <laughs> sense. You know what I mean? Like if you're really trying to like kind of hide your tracks, why would you keep find my iPhone on? So, you know, we don't know in, 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 in Apple and make it clear. We actually have no way of knowing whether he turned the automatic backups off or not. In fact, what could have happened would be that there, you know, how many times have you had your iCloud backups just stop working? Oh God. All the time. Right. And it's still enabled. It just it stops working. So, you know. This device has not been backed up for 14 days. Exactly. And you're like, what? <laughs> I'm like, well, I haven't done anything. What the hell? Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, there could have been another a number of issues. But, but because they reset the iCloud password, they weren't able to even attempt to get the, the, the latest update from the phone. And, um, I mean, it's. 
I, I, well, I, I and, and that's a lot of speculation, uh, even beyond the speculation of what the actual FBI motivations are. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think this is going to be, I, I'm, I hope it does go to Supreme Court. I hope that a precedent is set in favor of American privacy. I mean, I, I hope so too, but I, I, I don't know. I, it, the thing is, is that, and, and this is weird for me to say this because I feel like this would backfire, but I feel like it would be important. I fundamentally don't like the idea that a judge would be ordering a company to do this. I feel like if this is going right. to happen, this should be a law. Right. Either way, it sets a precedent. Oh, and I agree. If, but what I'm saying if though, is the I've... judge refuses to, if, it, if the judge denies the case, dismisses it or allows Apple to refuse that in itself seems like a very good precedent for us. Well, definitely, except, um, I mean, I think what's going to happen here and what's already been happening, you've already heard rumblings about this from, from, from various senators on both sides of the aisle, because this is one of those cases where you would think that it would be left right, but it's really not. You know, there, there, there are people on both sides that are of both opinions. Um, I feel like this is going to be one of those things where they're going to use this and they're going to use the ooh terrorism, ooh ISIS angle of this to try to push legislation through which would get passed, which would then force this to be law. And if that happens... Aren't we bored with that yet? No, we're not. And I, we're not. And and unfortunately, that's a scarier thing to consider, and I worry about that. So I feel like we've got to be on alert of two things, not just getting you know the, a judge ruling in Apple's favor here, but you better believe that laws are being crafted at this very moment that will force companies to do this. And and that that's the real challenge. I will say this, even if I would vehemently disagree with and, 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 and hate everything about those laws, I would at least feel better if it was a law that was forcing a company to do this and not a judge's order. Because at least I the can, law had a de- your point because there. at least the law had a democratic process involved. You know what I mean? Where where it's not, it's not a judge arbitrarily forcing a private company to assist in this way. And, I mean, Apple has assisted in the past, but it's different. I mean, the versions of iOS were different. There wasn't it wasn't encrypted by default, starting with iOS eight and greater. And so they could help get them into phones. They weren't creating software for the feds to do it themselves. They might have been pointing them towards white papers. They might have been pointing pointing them towards third party tools. But they weren't building something with this specific purpose. Um, I mean. And I, and I think the only way around this sort of thing, frankly, is is you've got to build stuff that can't be hacked into like this. So now you have engineering challenges, which are even more, you know, extreme. Well, um, and, well, that's the problem, though, is Apple did make a very secure device. They did. But but in this case, you know, this isn't about breaking the encryption. I mean, that is one important thing to know is that they're not asking Apple to break the encryption. They're asking them to adjust the bootloader so they can get into the well, phone. Well, they're asking to, to bypass force. the encryption. Well, they're looking to, to, to bypass the bootloader so they can brute force into the phone. What's Which interesting... D- makes the encryption moot. Well, of course, but, but right. But, but I mean, but it's, it's semantic, but it's important because they're not actually asking them to, to break the encryption, which they couldn't do, but to, but to, you know, have a backdoor in, in, in the other way. What's interesting though, is that obviously with an alpha, with, with a, with a numeric passcode, you know, we've got the compute power that can brute force this sort of thing. If this were an alphanumeric password, then that wouldn't be the case. Right. So, I mean, what, what this says to me is that anybody who's smart, any criminal who's smart is going to have alphanumeric passwords. And then what are you going to do? Yes. So in the interest of not turning this into a discussion of fear-based politics, uh, We've I'm turned this say, into a discussion of fear-based politics. This, that's what this whole show has been about, that and Kanye. I, I'm going to shift us <laughs> to, to make a brief mention of, uh, of the MaxDot conference, which I'm really excited about. Awesome. Um, if anyone 
does not know about this yet, uh, you can go to max.conferenceandexpo.com. And uh, it's the, the, the main reason I ever really loved going to Macworld was the people I saw. And I don't know. I think I attended maybe two. I, I attended as many Macworld talks as I spoke at, uh, which is to say just a few. But going there and spending a week hanging out with all of my favorite Mac people was yeah. worth the the. Well, the that was why you, and, and the trip. Well, that was why you go to this. So, so tell me what Mac stock is because I'm looking at it. So I mean, it just seems like it's a it's a it's a weekend of of, of Mac fans and and get together. Right. It's yeah, it's a couple days outside of Chicago, um, but it, it's basically a cheap version. And I don't mean cheap as in like tawdry, quality, tawdry. right? You just mean inexpensive. Um, it's an inexpensive version of Macworld where there are a lot of my favorite people are going to be there. I signed up as soon as I found out it existed. Uh, I signed up and um, it's basically it's within driving distance for me, which is even better. Uh, I'm doing the whole weekend for what just one plane ticket would have cost to go to Macworld. Um, and I, I'm just super excited to get to uh, to see the people that I talk with all the time on Twitter and hang out with people that I, I hear from online, but don't uh, ever get to match a face to. And I'm, I, I would love it if everyone who is in this little bubble showed up for this. Yeah, no, I mean, it sounds cool. I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it, but I'm looking at it. I'm like very seriously considering it. And um, that says a lot for me to want to do like, make it. We will. We will do we, we a will, live. We That's actually one of the reasons I'm considering this, because that would be really cool to do a live overtired. We did one once, but no one ever heard it. No one ever heard it. That was, that was, well, but that, I our, mean, that, our virgin voyage. Our virgin voyage. I mean, yeah, because I think what the sound didn't work or something, like volume, there's something. That we happened. were left alone in a room with the big red button. We and were, and we, and, we, and we pressed it wrong, and uh, it did not work well for us. But that was, that was like our pilot episode. That was at WWDC. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, check out max.conferenceandexpo.com. Come, come hang out with us, or at least me. I'm already I'm guaranteed to be there. Hopefully, Christina will be too. And uh, and with that, we should probably wrap up. We should definitely wrap up because we've been going long. Yeah, and uh, and and you're at work. So thanks again to Casper for uh, for sponsoring this episode. And you can follow Overtired on Twitter at O V R T R D. Also, I am TT Scoff on Twitter and elsewhere, and you can find Christina at film underscore girl on Twitter and go leave iTunes reviews. We've been we've been having I, I love reading them. I, like I honestly too. I don't generally read reviews of stuff I do because they can be disparaging. But, but these podcasts, this and systematic. I love reading the reviews. You guys are great. Awesome. So, Christina. Get some work done and then get some sleep. Thank you. And then get some sleep. Brett, get get some sleep and then get, get your yoga on. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Have fun. The system is going down low.